podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Index Pro podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful, freezing, cold, rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 4, Fulham 3 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Harry Sethi. Dave, that was just the stupidest game of football I've ever seen. Yeah, um, you're playing at home to Fulham. You think, right, they don't score many goals. This should be a straightforward, controlled, you know, balanced, even performance from Liverpool. And it was none of those things at all. That is, that is one of the dumbest games of football that we've played under Jurgen. It's one of the dumbest games I've had the uh, – I don't want to say pleasure because that would be the, the wrong word of watching – um, and yet we won the game. Like we won a game in which our midfield was utter shite and our midfield scored four goals. We won a game in which our defense was all over the place. We won a game in which our strikers could have been out there playing against nobody until tomorrow and probably still wouldn't have scored. And yet we've won the game and we've won it in the most likely, un- sorry, most unlikely way possible where Jürgen makes changes. They're the wrong changes. We end up gifting them a goal, another goal, having gifted them two earlier ones. We're behind. There's five minutes in stoppage time left or whatever. And Jürgen brings on a defensive midfielder who's limited on the ball. And all of Twitter goes into absolute meltdown. And then a couple of minutes later, said limited defensive midfielder arrives on the edge of the box and passes the ball into the top corner. And such is the insanity of such a goal that their heads completely go. And within 60 seconds, we're, we've gone from 3-2 down to 4-3 ahead with our fourth unbelievably great goal of the game. And you just, you're not going to see games like that where we score four incredible goals and miss the easy ones. And still somehow only come out four or three winners. But the win is the win. And that's all that really matters. And like, look, credit to Fulham. They came, they had a proper, proper go at it. They made substitutions to go and win the game, which I thought was admirable. They're very well drilled. They're well set up. They're well managed. And they came and had a proper go. And they gave us all we could handle today. But I think... Despite the fact that none of us want to live through that type of game too many times, because I feel like I've aged about 25 years watching that game, there's there's real positives to take out of that in terms of the mindset of this team. Because we've and we've seen this a few times this year, where all seems lost, we seem to be hopeless, 
and yet we find ways to win games and we are going to get better. Like I've said this before, this is year one of our rebuild. Like this is not anywhere close to the finished product. And yet we're second in the league right now as we speak. We're what two points off top. We've gone away to a bunch of tough grounds and we've gotten results. And as long as we continue to win games at home and go away and get good results, like we are a force and we're going to be very hard bet this year because this, this group of lads, they just don't give up. There's no quitting this group of lads at all. Which is in and of itself a wonderful thing to be able to say. And I don't know about you, Harry, but it feels as if Dave's kind of done the job of the show there by going through most of the <laughs> things of note. We might just wrap this one up with a quick word from yourself. Um, you know, the, the madness of it is one thing. It, it was, it was a hard watch, Harry. I'd love to tell you, I'd love to sit here and say, uh, that it was, you know, it, you know, it was, it was an enjoyable game of football or whatever. I found it very, very much the opposite, except mm-hmm. for the two magical moments towards the end obviously i enjoyed our first two crackers um from trent and um but i think dave's right that the psychological blow of wataru endo endo just being outrageous in the way that he was with that finish it's so deliberate and fantastically executed i think it did steal their soul from them and uh, it is lovely to see trent doing midfield things from midfield i don't know if you noticed harry but he, he fucking could not wait to drift to the left the minute he got put into midfield he just started a little jog off to the left hand side of the field what's it like over here i wonder uh, and signs on it that's kind of the zone he's in when he puts the goal away a very 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 difficult watch in so many ways harry but i suppose there are positives to take as, as Dave says yeah I mean if you're if you're trying to be cold and objective about it um, I mean and there's, there's so many moments in terms of the goals to enjoy from this game obviously and as, as Dave's mentioned the result at this stage is really all that matters but I mean yeah that's absolutely not how you should be beating the 14th place side uh, at home uh, it's probably not not the way in which uh, any of the coaches would have hoped that things uh, materialized and certainly uh, I mean about 20 30 minutes into the game I was having a glance over at my uh, fantasy team that I started playing again this year uh, unwisely after four or five years away from it uh, and just just glanced at Darwin up there uh, as a striker in my team and went this is a <laughs> this is a mistake, uh, and then uh, over the next thirty minutes, he proceeded to really uh, punish me for that. Uh, I think equally punished by the fact that I take I took Trent out, had the audacity to take Trent out a few weeks ago. So um, I mean, that's that, that's by the by. I mean, it's, it's in terms of the performance. I mean, I think in, in defence, big issues. I think in midfield, big issues. In attack, weirdly blunt. Uh, in sort of like um, key moments. But I think, as Dave's already mentioned, I mean, you, you're, you are rarely going to see a game where there are so many spectacular goals in terms of the quality of the strikes involved, uh, the, sort of the clutch moments from from players. Uh, I think it's you know, really encouraging to see that sort of spirit amongst the siders, as as, uh, as as Dave mentioned. I mean, I think this is something that we we have seen in the past you know, games like this where things appear to be going against you another side comes to Anfield with a really coherent plan and approach and they don't get rattled by you uh, we've seen sides sort of just oh, oh well yes it's, it's not going to be not going to be our day 
And let's face it, if Darwin was another guy, uh, another kind of mentality, uh, maybe he would be amongst that crowd because you mean, he, he, some of the chances he missed today, uh, a striker with a weaker mentality is really letting that affect him for the rest of the game. Uh, but he, 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 he does find a way to come back into it despite sort of having a, I'd say a pretty poor performance, uh, in, in moments. So yeah, delighted with the win. Really big moment for Endo, I feel as well. I mean, yeah, great for us, obviously. Uh, but yeah, hopefully that does him wonders. You're know, coming off the bench. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of Dragon Ball Z gifts dropped by uh, Kanata <laughs> and a whole bunch of the team this week because I think they're having a lot of fun with, it, with Batara. Um, so yeah, I mean, he arrives, he arrives like Goku late to it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> fantastic finish. Uh, and Trent, I mean, I think, yeah, the, the, at this stage, we've spoken in previous pods about how this halfway house um, situation where you can see 20 seconds into the game, he's drifting into midfield. He doesn't want to play as a right back. Uh, and he, he's got the, you know, he's, he's built for these big moments, it seems. So, I mean, I, I'm coming to the conclusion that just, just buy a right back, buy, buy a defensive midfielder, um, and just be done with it. Let this guy operate in that area of the field where he's, he, he's allowed to be part of these big moments. Um, and maybe that's his future because certainly the past few games he's, uh, he's, uh, he's led us to believe that. There's no way we won't discuss more on that specific topic you've just introduced here. And Dave, it's brilliant to have the young whippersnapper Harry Sethi in along for, with us for Dragon Ball Dragon Z Ball references. Z. <laughs> I love all that. Love all oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Dragon Ball Z, but a bit of uh, fantasy Premier League and stuff like that. That's, that's the. These, these, these millennials that drive, that's the type of stuff that they, that they, uh, they, appealing, they appealing, appealing to our younger audience. Yeah, there'll be some avocado references later on in the pod as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There'll be no avocado references in this podcast. Tell you. <laughs> the first person that brings up vegan food now will get both barrels. What I want you all to do right now is have a look at the picture that I've put into the Twitter, uh, into the, uh, the, um, chat there that we have going because that, Ian Wright Cole is exactly what I need in my fucking freezing ass house at the moment. It is a mar- miracle of modern science. Um, wait till you see it. It looks like it's been inflated. Oh, yes. It's been inflated by about did seven you, different bicycle pumps. Did you ever see the episode of Seinfeld where George gets the new coat? <laughs> yes. And it's enormous and he goes into the off license and wrecks the place. Um, <laughs> that is basically what he... <laughs> that is the Bouncing Castle. It's I'm amazing. sorry, Ian Wright has dressed himself in Bouncing Castle. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I, I, will, I will make it known to everybody on Twitter later on in case you're wondering what I'm talking about. It's a uh, tribute to Wenger for anybody who can't see it who's listening, obviously. Imagine in the Wenger coat, but inflated. But inflated, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, 26 shots we have today uh, to their nine, um, 12 of those on target. And the dominance will be um, uh, easy, interesting to talk about as in whether it existed or not uh, in reality, because we were so open, Dave. And you wouldn't have thought by the lineup that um, started that that would be the case. Now, there are a couple of narratives that have raised their ugly head over the course of this game around two of our starters. The first man, of course, that I'm going to mention is Cuevian Kelleher because mm. there will be people who say that he should have saved the first two. And Darwin Nunes, the ongoing narrative about him um, stuffing up good chances is going to go on. It's a shame that those two things will continue. We could really do without them because they're at the two most important ends of the park. Yeah. 
Um, but we have a, it's a side that starts today with Trent in his hybrid role, uh, Simicus the far side, Van Dijk and Matip Ibu Kanate not starting. Um, so Bosley, McAllister and Gravenberg was our trio in the middle and Salah, Nunes and Diaz across the top. And with the bench, which was utilized to good effect today of Gomez, Endo, Kanate and Gakpo, all of whom came on alongside Adrian, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, who I was surprised didn't get a run. Um, uh, ben Doak and Kwanzaa. It's a solid looking setup. Um, whether you agree with the lineup completely, what was your take on his selection from the start? I didn't like the midfield. I don't like that midfield three. There's no balance to that midfield three. Um, I, I think we need Curtis Jones in there. I, th- I think both Dominic and Gravenberg play better when the other eight is Curtis Jones because they're, they both want the ball all the time and they're both very attack minded players. And Gravenberg, frankly, is an abomination defensively. So it leaves us quite light down that side when he's there and it's not Curtis. Um, and it leaves a lot of pressure on McAllister. And I thought he suffered today because he was having to play in midfield by himself for a long time. And it's not just the individual players. It's also the tactical setup. Like, for far too long in that first half, Dominic was playing really wide on one side and Gravenberg was really wide on the other side which was leaving the entire middle of the park for either just Alexis or Alexis and Trent. And neither of them are good enough defensively and Alexis isn't mobile enough to do that. Like if Curtis is the one in there with Trent and Alexis plays wide on the left, that to me would work a lot better. I I don't really understand why Jürgen hasn't given Curtis a, a good run as the six because the Alexis at six thing hasn't worked very well. Yes, people will point at the stats and say, oh, well, his stats are comparable to Rodri. But counting stats don't tell the story of a defensive midfielder. Like, go and look at the counting stats for Sergio Busquets, who's the best defensive midfielder that the game has seen in the last 20 years. And you'd never think he influenced a single game. Rodri is the same way. Rodri's stats don't tell the influence he has defensively. They don't, like, there's no stat for blocking off passing lanes. There's no stat for protecting your defense. There's no stat for leading a runner away from an area of danger and somebody else making a tackle in a wide area. Those things don't show up statistically. Those are things that Alexis McAllister doesn't do. And that's what will always separate him from an actual defensive midfielder in there. Curtis, at least, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's more athletic, he's quicker. I think he'd give us more control in there. It would allow Alexis to play a little bit further, a little bit further forward, rather. I think he could influence the game more. So for me, it was just like I understood the Matip starting thing because Ibu played midweek and we're back in the cycle where Matip is playing in the Premier League and Ibu is playing in Europe. And frankly, Ibu hasn't been great this season, so I don't have a big issue with it. But I didn't like the midfield. I, I did think Curtis should have been playing. I know he he wasn't good against City. But defensively, he was good against City. And he does make a big difference to us in terms of the the control he enables us to have. Like, Gravenberg is more talented than Curtis without question. But that talent also leads to him doing risky things. Today, he only completed like 75, 76% of his passes. That's not good enough in a midfield for us. When we're going to have someone like Dominic and someone like Trent also taking those big risks... We need control. Alexis gives us some. Curtis is the one that gives us more. That was the one doubt I had over today. And, and frankly, I think it, it, it showed that 
you know, that midfield just isn't viable in the Premier League, what we saw today. Yeah, hard to argue with any of that. And if um, our bench, Harry, was utilised to great effect, so was uh, Fulham's. They, however, started with Leno, uh, Reem and Bassey ahead of him in the centre-half positions and uh, Kenny Tete and uh, Anthony Robinson at full-back. Uh, Robinson in particular had a great afternoon for the most part. Polina and Reed in the middle with Wilson, Pereira and Iwobi operating behind Jimenez. Um, like I say, on their bench, they had Kearney who came on. They Cordova Reed who came on, William who came on, Castagna who came on, and Vinicius who also came on. Also, they had Rodak, um, Balotoure, and Lukic. I think I've got them all there. Um, it's uh, an interesting setup. Um, I know you were struggling to find a, a pundit for your show at one point. Mm. Um, what, what did you learn in the end in terms of um, the perception? It was very interesting for me. I'm not, I haven't seen this in, in a while. It was very interesting for me when I was doing this show at Jan during the week. He was just saying, I'm, I can't have this team at all. I just can't have them. I, I don't, I don't see what, a whole lot there in them. Um, he's seen them a good few times live and he just didn't really see a, a team as such. And they kind of gave the lie to that today in a way. Um, what was your take on the way they went? Um, was it as expected and any surprises in terms of their, um, personnel? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I ended up speaking with uh, with Sarah from uh, Fulham Lilies, which is sort of a, um, a women's supporters group for, for Fulham. It was a really interesting chat, actually, about some of the work she's doing with... Um, with others in the group um, around sort of fan initiatives for the club, but she was talking about Silva and I mean, I mean, obviously the thing, the the elephant in the room for Fulham is that, that they they lost their talisman in terms of Mitrovic um, in the window unexpectedly, in the way in which the Saudi Pro League obviously materialised as a real threat, and um, he obviously went on strike, actually left in um, probably less than ideal circumstances. I think she she mentioned she was very disappointed about that. Lots of Fulham fans were in terms of the manner. Of the exit, Yapolinia ends up staying. Of course, in the end, doesn't quite make that Bayern move. We've all seen the video of him sort of trudging back in the airport um, after the move collapsed, or didn't get done in time, rather. Uh, so there's there's a couple. I mean, obviously Yapolinia has come back into the team. I think Kearney had been out for a while um, and has recently come back into the team. I think it was against Man United he came back in. Um, so. Um, the team today and any sort of surprises with it, I think Castagna has been quite good for them so far this season. So surprised that he um, he was on the bench. Um, Willian scored two in the last game, of course. So maybe you could have thought he may he, he may have started. Obviously, though, he is you know, a bit further on in his career now. So maybe that was in the forefront of um 
of Silva's mind as well. Uh, and Decordova Reed has, has been quite an important player for them as well. But you look at them and I see what you mean. On paper, you can look at it and think, well, this is a team of individuals. How well do they necessarily gel together? But I think that you saw in the game, I thought a really, really coherent plan um, very clear on what they were doing, um, backed each other up. You can just you can see just how important Paulinho uh, is to that team as well. I think Iwobi has really um, made himself into a solid citizen in terms of the way in which he contributes to the side. It's sort of changed, um, I, I suppose the the kind of player he he is now as opposed to the the, the, the sort of more attacking minded player he was trying to be earlier on in his his career i thought he worked very hard uh, for for the team today jimenez i think yeah they're clearly without that out and out goal scoring threat in terms of their their center forward um but he's trying to do those other other things around sort of bringing you know, people into play holding it up where he can but uh, yeah it's it's a side that i think is solid enough i, I don't imagine i'll see you'll see them in a uh, relegation scrap. I think they'll be comfortably sort of you know, 10th, 11th, 12th maybe uh, in the league. But I think there is an expectation amongst the fans that the money needs to be spent in January if they are going to um, you know, kick on, be even stronger. I think that, that that Mitrovic replacement or just trying to get some more goals in there and, and also guard against the departure of Palinia if he was to move in January as well so uh, yeah I think that this is despite not maybe looking like it I think this is a much more solid Fulham outfit than we've seen in you know previous seasons last season obviously they did very well Dave let's get stuck into the um match details because I just don't want to spend any time on that lads uh refereeing the game today um I don't know whether it was offensive or inoffensive performance, but we'll just go with that last one and say he's fine uh, until we have to talk about it. But in that first half, um, apparently there were two chances in the first three minutes while I was searching for a stream that actually worked. Ours fell to Luis Diaz. You can maybe fill us in on whether or not the other one was worth a damn um, just before we move on. Do you remember what that was in the very opening goings in the first three minutes or so? Apparently Fulham in an attempt. Is that correct? I don't. No, I don't. Didn't too see much it, has so. happened. Too much has happened. I <laughs> barely remember Diaz' chance. Like th- th- we we did start well, and yeah. y- but you could tell it was going to be an open game from right early on. You could tell this feels like a bit of an end to end type of game because we just we couldn't really get any sort of foothold. But yeah. for, without question, we started off quite well, and and Lucho probably should score, but. He's not alone in that throughout this game. No, he's not. And the interplay by us in that opening, in the opening goings was very good. The, the ball retention was excellent. And there's a chance in eight minutes where the ball is in the net from Mo Salah. Uh, Dominic has a shot at spilled by Leno. Luis Diaz goes sort of in on him. The ball breaks to Mo and he finishes. Now, VAR apparently were checking for offside as opposed to anything to do with the challenge by Diaz. And it was decided that he was was offside so nothing came of that Leno was down as a result of that challenge for four to five minutes um, at least and that's all tacked on to the end in a very big chunk at the end of the first half um, I thought uh, um, Sabazlai was quite bright in the opening goings um, very interested later on we get a chance to talk about the substitutions uh, the seem to be a little bit mad but I do understand that Sabazlai can't be brilliant game in game out especially at this early stage of his adaptation to a new team and without 
the kind of player to shield um, his offensiveness that he would want. Um, but we do go ahead on 19 minutes. It's from a Trent uh, wonder hit. In fact, I think it's Sabozlai who draws the foul that leads to that free kick um, with a bit of decent play. And he puts it, Trent, right in the top corner. It comes down off the bar. Now, it does look like it's going to bounce outside the line. Just the trajectory of the ball would suggest that it goes in off the back, at the back of the keeper as he's diving way too late to get to it. And apparently it has not been given to Trent the goal. I think letter of the law, that's probably fair enough. But just stay stay with me until we get the equaliser because I want to get your take in this opening section. It was a Van Dyke adventure forward on 23 minutes where he ended up high up on the left-hand side of the field. More of that, please, Virgil. It was very nice to watch him surge forward with the ball at his feet very decisively. And on 24 minutes, sadly, after that, uh, we are 1-1 with Wilson. They work it well down the left-hand side. The Wilson gets to a low cross uh, and he finishes under and off the leg of Queeving Keller, the leg that's underneath him. Um, it's too easy. And I'm going to be saying that on, I think, the concession of at least... Actually, all three of their goals, it's too easy. It's defensively poor. So plenty for you to get your teeth into our goal, their goal, and anything else you want to for the first 25. Yeah, um, the the Mo goal, quote-unquote, disallowed, um, it, it Diaz is offside when Dominic shoots. But my issue here is Bernd Leno is down for – five, six minutes getting treatment for a head injury. I really don't understand like how that's not an automatic substitution. I'm sorry, but I don't want to hijack the pod, but this has bothered me for years. We don't take head injuries seriously enough in football. Mm. And I always go back to watching Hugo Lloris playing for Spurs at Goodison Park and coming out for a ball and catching his head off Romelu Lukaku's knee and getting knocked clean unconscious. Like, not woozy, not woozy, not dazed. He was out cold, and they allowed him to carry on. And I remember afterwards, myself and Gags did a podcast with Chris Nowitzki, who's a former WWE wrestler who's gotten, who retired because of a concussion and has gone on to be one of the leading voices in concussion research and stuff. And we see more and more in other sports, such as the, the NFL, where now there's like serious concussion protocol. And I know in recent years they have introduced concussion protocol into the Premier League, but they're not doing nearly enough. Like, I don't know who made the decision that Bernd Leno could carry on there, but whoever it was, they shouldn't have been making that decision. There should be independent doctors at these games who aren't employed by either of the clubs, have no vested interest in either of the clubs, and assess any and all head injuries. And a substitution made for a head injury should not count against your five. So had Leno had to go off and be replaced by their backup goalkeeper, they should still have been allowed to keep their full complement. Even if it's only a thing where he goes off for 10 to 15 minutes to be properly assessed, he should have to leave the field. If it's a head injury that requires him to be down for that long and required, there was clearly a cut and he was looking like Terry Butcher then afterwards. Like, he should have to be properly assessed and not by an on-field physio, and he shouldn't have a say in it himself. Somebody else needs to be in that position to take him off the pitch for, if it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever, 
do proper checks on them. And like, as a club, we've been through this. Like, we lost a Champions League final because our goalkeeper got kneed in the head or elbowed yeah. in the head yeah. early on and ended up gifting two really poor goals to Real Madrid. I, I just can't understand how we're still allowing this to happen, where he's injured to the extent where it takes quite a long time for the game to restart, and he's just allowed to carry on. I know he wants to, but you have to put the player's health first, and the players won't do that. Anyway, on to what took place afterwards. It annoys me that the goal won't be given to Trent. It does. Like I know the letter of the law is the letter of the law, but... At the same time, that's an unbelievable strike. Bernd Leno doesn't do anything purposely to cause that to go in. It hits him off the bar. I'd like to see those those specific ones given as goals, uh, as opposed to giving given his own goals. On their goal, so Joel gives the ball away, and loads of people have decided that the goal is therefore Joel's fault. But when Joel gives the ball away, there's no danger. Like he doesn't give the ball away and the player takes like two touches and shoots and scores. There's quite a bit of build up before they get the goal. Joel gets dragged out into the wide area in a 2v1 situation with a Wobie and, and Robinson. And he did fairly well. Now he could have done more to maybe block the cross, but he put, he allowed a cross into an area that shouldn't have been an area of danger because we had numbers Trent is defending that front zone and he can see Harry Wilson make that run and he just allows him to run across run right by him and makes no effort to make a challenge that to me is absolutely shocking defending and Queeveen Queeveen should do a little bit better in my view from there that angle that pace of ball I think Queeveen needs to do better he didn't cover himself in glory and like, I know it is frustrating seeing how much criticism he's getting and it's not helping the situation because it's going to knock his confidence. But, like, Brundish has some numbers up for Queeving Kelleher uh, as, as Liverpool goalkeeper and the, the number of goals he's conceded. And after today, uh, Queeving Kelleher has conceded 27 goals for Liverpool from an XG of 23.78. Jesus. That's really, really poor. Like, really, really poor. So, like, the thing is, with, with, with goalkeepers like Kelleher, like, you know how you're always looking for a good backup goalkeeper. But the problem is that nobody can really be a good backup goalkeeper for a long time because they don't get enough games. And we talked about this earlier this year with Cuevin. He just doesn't get enough games. He doesn't have enough experience for his age to have played as little as he has, that is going to stymie his development. It is going to ruin whatever possibility he had for becoming a top-level goalkeeper. Like, you look at Aaron Ramsdale, for example, right? Now, we all know he's a flawed goalkeeper, but Aaron Ramsdale was picked in the team of the year last season. It was a joke because Alisson should have been in, but Ramsdale was still one of the three or four best keepers in the league last season. And you look at him this season and he came in for the Brentford game for Arsenal last weekend and he was an absolute shambles. Now, a big part of that is confidence. His is gone. But it's also repetition. It's also experience. It's also minutes that he hasn't had. And with Cuevin, he just, he hasn't gotten the games. 
So, yes, a couple of years ago, he was a great backup goalkeeper for us. Unfortunately, all that's going to happen when a goalkeeper doesn't play, any player doesn't play for basically two years, is they're going to stagnate and then decline. And that's what's happened to him. And at 25, he has already regressed from where he was at 22, 23. And that's a concern. But it's it's completely understandable. Like, it, in no way is it on him. It's on the club. He should have been loaned out last season. If he wasn't going to get... After where he was after 21-22, the highs he had in that season, he should have been loaned out last season to go and get 35 to 40 games. Because even if he had some really bad games and that, it wouldn't have affected us, but it would have done him the world of good. We saw Gavin Basunu last year, Trev, just to stay on Irish goalkeepers, have a really rough season playing for Southampton in the Premier League. But you know what all those mistakes and all those minutes have done for him? He has been incredible this year for Southampton. He has been absolutely magnificent for them over the last 12 to 15 games because he's gotten mistakes out of his system. He's learned from those mistakes. He's gotten minutes. He now understands scenarios and situations a lot better. Kelleher doesn't have that. And at times you watch us play and you watch balls come into our box. You see Queeving make a movement in one direction. You think, why have you done that? Like, why are you in that position? And it's because he doesn't have the experience or the know-how of where he should be. So he doesn't have the game experience. Yeah, that's, it, it's, it's so unfortunate on so many levels. And the main level, and the only one we really care about, Harry, is the fact that it impacts matches um, that we need to win. Um, and in, in another parallel universe, that is an easy win. The one that was predicted by the likes of Jan and several other people, um, a multi, multi-goal win, as it is, that much vaunted record of winning by two goals has gone out the window because... Uh, in no small way, um, we have a keeper lacking in confidence. And I'm going to take you through the rest of this first half. There's a lot here, so do bear with me. But obviously, the two things we're going to really focus on are the goals primarily. Um, after that uh, equaliser by Wilson, uh, they did have a go at trying to overload on that side of the pitch um, where we have Dom and Trent and... Um, uh, obviously from the centre half point of view that's where Joel is mostly as well Joel himself has a header over the top from a Simicas free kick on 28 minutes and on 31 there's an opportunity but Mo's layoff is poor our final ball wasn't great um, on quite a few occasions Wilson got in on 31 minutes as well his poor touch um, made that less dangerous than it should have been um, a deflected effort then nearly catches Cueving Keller on 32 minutes that led to a corner and nothing came from it and on 33 uh, Trent had a left footed dig deflected over the top from the corner there was a bit of pinball and Virgil has an effort that's blocked and then sort of from nowhere on 38 minutes we go 2-1 up and it is McAllister the ball broke to him following a Luis Diaz attack down the left and the ball kind of dropped into McAllister's path it's one of those ones that you do dream about in terms of the the arc of the ball he strikes across it for, with the outside of his foot uh, on the half volley and it just blams it in this beautiful arcing uh, effort over the keeper and into the top corner where it drops it's just picture postcard. Um, and I thought 
in this period, um, in the first half, um, Darwin just looked a little bit off and he was sort of barging around trying to get the stuff always just a bit off his touch, a bit strong or a bit weak or the pass not quite getting there or his run not quite getting there. They added nine minutes because of the, um, injury, um, that they spoke about at length to, um, their keeper and, Polina has an effort deflected off um, Mo, um, who's tracking back very well. That leads to a corner for them. Um, we saw some great cover at right back by Simicas moving and sweeping across in that area um, because it was vacant again because there's a lot of space down that side for them. But they do go 47 uh, on 47 minutes. They do go 2-2. And again, it's kind of from that side. It's a corner from that side. And the corner is flicked on by Jimenez uh, and poked home um, by Tete under Cuevi and Gallagher again. Now, it did go to VAR and it was given, it seemed to be honest kind of a overly long analysis i don't know what took so long about it It didn't seem that tight to me um but again harry kind of clown cars defending it just Mm. not not good enough to not be there first on two separate occasions whatever about the flick on well make sure you get to the next thing and then the third thing of course your last line defense we are used to the human wall that is ali so i guess it's 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 there's quite a lot to analyze there. They thought they could basically have a go at us at that point and have it. They had us kind of on the rack for the for these few next few minutes after their equalizer. They get a corner and 50. Ream actually had the ball in the net after a Pellini attempt was kind of pawed away by Kelleher in sort of indecisive enough fashion. VAO ruled that out for offside correctly. And in 54, a decent move end with a Leno save from Mo Salah after he had a great one two at Darwin. And then Darwin himself has an effort of 50. Obviously, then the two goals, the one we scored, the wonder goal we scored, the hideously upsetting goal that we concede. Hmm. Um, but anything else you want to pick it? Yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, I, I think it's just a case of like, you, you're watching the game and the wonderful strikes to sort of see the goals from McAllister, Trent's as well, of course. Um, in terms of the McAllister goal, yeah beautiful it's exact, exactly what you would dream of in terms of the ball falling for him um you, you you've seen what stevie hit hit them like that in the past so again another big moment for another player who's new to sort of life at anfield so again you hope that you know, instills more confidence in him another goal that you imagine um we've cried out for Armand fielders to have actually goal scoring threat over many seasons and then now all of them do appear to have you know, much more attacking ability much more technical ability than we've been used to so yeah really great to to see that but these moments of individual brilliance you didn't get the impression that there was um the the, our tactical system or the approach to the game that we were taking uh, was the reason why we were edging ourselves ahead it was these moments of brilliance rather than anything systemic that was seemed to be working far too loose i felt in, in in midfield and it probably comes back down to that that conversation of balance that we talked about where you know three technically capable talented midfielders um no defensive specialists in there somebody doing a job um and two eights that really want to have the license to go forward to create uh, you can clearly see the the ability in both of them certainly in their like their ability to carry the ball really helpful for us winning three kicks and gliding past players at times but 
there's a lack of balance in there and it did feel as though uh, Fulham were able to sort of grow into the game uh, and w- were aware of the fact that they, that they could get at us you mentioned the second goal I, I, I have to admit I was I was amongst the um, the folks being sort of a bit more critical of of Kelleher on those again you're you're comparing him to you know, the best goalkeeper in the world certainly in those 1v1 situations and I think it's just something we perhaps got a little bit complacent about. You know, this is a flawed Liverpool team at the moment. It's great to see where they, where we are in the table. It, it is missing pieces to be a true, I think, um, you know, strong title contender um, sort of squad. Uh, we're missing that balance. Uh, and so, yeah, we're conceding more chances than we would like to. And we're having to rely upon you know, the brilliance of of Allison and have done quite a few times this season. I think you, we've done it enough, actually, that you, you do tend to actually just take it for granted and perhaps forget how many of those sort of half chances we concede at times uh, because he makes them look like nothing. Right. So, um, again, it's it's yeah, not great defending. There's no real sense that people are really. Yeah, have have pride in their work there. It's it's all a bit um, reactive, uh, which is which is not great to see. And yeah, that's, you, you just want him to be a bit more de- decisive in his goalkeeping. I thought it was yeah, it, it sent the wrong message, and yeah, it did worry me. I have to say, Trev, because it's it's the start of a congested month of fixtures. Teams are going to look at that. Teams are going to target him now, um, and he's going to have to just work his way through it. Um, so. Uh, completely agree with what Dave said about his development and it's stalling. But yeah, we, we got to half time there. Felt it was going to be important for us to um, you know, a, a meaningful half time chat. Talk about perhaps being a little bit more uh, composed and a bit more positionally disciplined. I wouldn't have been surprised to see Jones come out, um, come out, uh, come on at half time. So the fact that he didn't, I think, was uh, was a bit surprising. Yeah, uh, a lot of strange um, substitute uh, moments and, and surprising moments. Some great, some um, hard to understand, some worked out better than any of us would have hoped for, some yeah. not so much. Um, the, the the second half, Dave, begins, and by the way, if, you, if there's anything you want to dip into there from the first half, second half of the first half, feel free to in a sec. But I'm just going to take you up as far as our substitutions uh, on 63, seeing as that is um, something of significance. Um, the, nothing much happens in the opening five minutes or so. On 50 minutes, there was a Darwin attempt blocked by Bassey, which led to a corner and... Um, Dominic has an effort from distance, uh, which goes, he drags wide of the near post on the left-hand side and on 52, another, uh, Sabozlai effort from distance. Um, but it's, um, fairly, very much straight at the keeper there's a minor spill but um, Mo can't really get to it uh, 52 uh, there's another great break this time led by Salah uh, he plays in Darwin and he blams it off the bar and you know that's one of I guess the chances that people are um, raising their eyebrows at and talking about and it will form the narrative of uh, Darwin Nunes and his reliability in big moments um, <clears throat> a tame effort from Luis Diaz on the 54th minute after cutting in from the left um, pretty much shoots at the keeper one of those kind of token efforts Pereira was allowed to carry the ball for about half the park and just because he doesn't know what to do he ends up kind of panicking and skying his effort in 58 yeah. minutes there is a chance in 60 where Dominic plays a ball into Mo Salah his header down into Darwin's path is pretty perfect and somehow 
Nunez, and this was cement the narrative, yeah. fails to make any kind of contact whatsoever, and it looks bad, and he's on his arse. It just doesn't look good. They bring on Kearney and Willian, who go on to have an impact for Wilson and Pereira, and we we see some great defensive work by McAllister just before he goes off on 63 minutes, where Cody and Joe Gomez come on for himself and Sabozlai. Now, I know you want to talk about the subs, but anything else you want to pick out from that opening part of the half, please do. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Just to, to go back to their their goal, um, their, their second goal, it, it's just it's just horrendous defending from a set piece, which is just so unlike us. We're normally so dialed in on set pieces, but that's just appalling. Um and Queeving should do. I mean, I don't know what he's trying to do there. I really don't know what he's trying to do there. Like, make yourself as big as possible, and he makes himself as but as small as it's possible to be. Um, yeah, there's three failures. There's the failure to 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 to, to, to stop to the flick on Freeman. Yeah, on the flick on the failure to do anything with Teddy. Like, I don't know what Alexis is doing, and I have a feeling as well that when they were reviewing that. If it wasn't a goal, I think it was going to be a penalty because I think Joe, I think Joel Matip handled the initial flick on that, that dropped. I think it hits his arm and I think it would have been given as a penalty. Right. Um, because they, when they, they were looking at it, like there's the voluntary and involuntary touch of a defender. And I think they were looking at it like, has, is that an involuntary touch off of Joel, which would have then rendered Tete offside? But it would have been a penalty. Um, I think they've just given the goal for, for that reason. But um, it's just, it's really poor all over from us in, in that goal. Like, and it's just such a shame because the Alexis goal is absolutely unbelievable. Like that is an incredible strike. Without taking a touch to compose himself or settle the ball or anything, he just lets it run across himself from the Anthony Robinson header, and it is unbelievable the technique the dip the venom in the shot is incredible and the second half yeah like you said it was a bit of a slow start but again we started the better like they seem to take a little bit of time to to warm up coming back out and it it, you thought you know we're going to get a goal here and and then we're going to start to control this game and then you're going to make some subs and we'll just see the game out and like then there was just those moments, like you mentioned Pereira, like he, he what's he run? Forty yards with the ball? Yeah. And nobody like not even that he has to fend off or beat a player or two. Nobody goes near him. He's just allowed to carry the ball. 
while our midfielders are jogging back behind them, having a look at them. It's just that is shocking that we've allowed that to happen. Thankfully, it leads to nothing. I don't understand the subs. I genuinely don't. Like, I don't know how you could look at our midfield and think, I'm going to take two of them off, but the one I'm going to leave on is Gravenberg. Yeah, by far the worst of the three of them. Worth dwelling for a minute on his performance today, because I know, you know, you weren't as high in the signing as a lot of people, and, uh, you know, always point out the fact that he is a talented um, mm. individual. Oh, he's immensely gifted. Like, he's probably the most talented of the midfielders that we signed. It's but, but spectac- spectacularly ineffective today, uh, you'd have to say. And obviously, Subasai didn't have a good afternoon for him at all, um, but it's a weird one, isn't it? It was a weird, weird call. Dominic can influence the game without being great on the ball because Dominic makes powerful runs Dominic contributes defensively Dominic makes off ball runs to draw full backs with him so Mo gets space to operate Gravenberg doesn't do any of that he just kind of loafs about the place when he doesn't have the ball or stands and waits for the ball like we saw him taking up bizarre positions high on the left and just standing there waiting for the ball a ball that was never going to come to him and like I don't know if if he's doing that by choice, I don't know if that's a tactical thing that he's been told to do, but it doesn't work. It doesn't help anybody and just takes him out of the game. And like I said earlier, like because of how he plays, there's a lot of risk in the actions that he has in a game. And at the moment, he's just not good enough to, to take those type of risks because he doesn't complete enough of them. And, and it, it hurts us like it hurts us defensively. Like you see, the other, like, there was one moment where it might have been the Pereira thing. It might have been the Pereira run. Like, Gravenberg is probably five inches taller than Pereira, bigger, stronger, quicker athlete. And yet he's very slowly jogging back in the general direction of Pereira, but with no real intention to get back and make a challenge. And like, you just, you want him to just be more aggressive, be more forceful. Be more impactful. He just doesn't impact games. That's what it comes down to. He doesn't impact games. He can do it when he's in the Dominic role and he's got more freedom, but we need him to be more conscientious when we don't have the ball. And he just, at the moment, he isn't. But like I say, the talent is outrageous. Like the talent is stupid. It's a, it's a stupid level of ability that, that the kid has, but he needs to harness it properly. And that's, Look, that's what the coaches are there for. That's what Jürgen's there for. He's been signed for five years, not for five months. So he's got plenty of time on his side. And he's still really young, like he's 21 years of age. So, you know, I'm not saying that. My biggest issue was we signed him instead of signing what we needed. We signed, we needed a defensive midfielder. And for the 45 million we spent on him and Endo, we could have gotten a good defensive midfielder. And that was my issue at the time. And it remains my issue. It's not so much him. I think the chances of him becoming the player he's got the potential to be are are fairly low. But my issue was we didn't sign the player we needed. We signed him instead, and it was kind of like a luxury signing. He's the guy you sign when everything else is in place because you can afford to take a bit of a gamble and you can afford to bet on the talent and hope that you can mold it into something. We needed him to come in and be impactful straight away. And he, he just isn't at the moment. And he wasn't making any kind of positive impact on the game today. Yeah. The other two boys weren't playing particularly well either. But Alexis had scored. 
and was doing some decent things. Dominic was having an impact. And I just thought, well, why are we taking them off? Like, I understand wanting to change the midfield, but those changes just didn't make sense. And then obviously we bring on Joe and you think, okay, so what's the, what's the shape here? And all of a sudden it's the galaxy brained three box three with a double pivot of Joe Gomez and Trent, neither of whom have the discipline or, or the, the discipline in Trent's mind, in Trent's case, the experience in Joe's case to actually play as a double pivot together. You get away with Joe and Alexis we have before. You get away with Trent and Alexis we have before. You're not going to get away with Trent and Joe. And we didn't. And we lost all control of the game once we made that change. And then Cody came on and up until his, his input for the, the, the Trent winner, he had no impact on the game at all because he's not a midfielder. Like again, we, we talked about this at the very start of the season against Chelsea. He's not a midfielder. We're shoehorning him into a role that doesn't suit him because we've decided that the only way we can win this is to just chuck on attack minded players, which is obviously one approach, but it didn't really work for us. Uh, Harry, this choke of the match that you get to talk about is pretty painful next because in a literal painful moment, Joel Matip goes down on 66 mm-hmm. minutes. He jars his knee in a challenge with Willian, seems to get it kind of caught as he's falling and jars it awkwardly. Um, we've seen quotes being put into our chat here um, by Guy saying that there's no scan yet, says Klopp, but that will not be a short one, which is just smashing all together. Um but this next chunk of the game, which Dave describes as us losing a bit of control over the match, is obviously changed immediately by bringing in Ibu Kanate for Joel in 67 minutes. Luis Diaz does uh, find himself underneath a deflected Mo Salah cross on 69, obviously therefore cannot head it down, instead heads it over the bar. Gravenberg has a long ranger on 70 minutes, but it's a real token kind of effort straight at Leno. And they bring on some subs, Castagna and De Cordova Reed for Tete and Iwobi. Um, and, uh, stay tuned for one of those guys. 77 minutes, Robinson had, uh, Quiving Keller at full stretch with his effort when he overlaps and takes a return ball from William bombing down from the left-hand side and it was looking a little bit ominous and sure enough on 79 minutes they do go ahead and I had a sinking feeling at that point it was a very hard game to win at that point with the amount of time running out it was William who played it into Kearney his dinked cross was met at the back post by Dacord over Reed again Absolutely absurd defending in terms of the standard of it. Um, way too easy of a concession. And we're going to end, you and I, with the introduction of Endo uh, for Gravenberg on 82 minutes. So a painful chunk of the game for us, like <laughs> I say, Harry. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that and your thoughts around it. Yeah, the pain, the pain sponge uh, segment of the pod. Uh, it's yeah, it's it, it was a, a a patch in the game that I think highlighted what we've talked about in terms of the lack of the lack of coherence. And I thought you know, Fulham, it was very obvious what they were, what they what they what they'd come to Anfield to do. Uh, and I thought that you could see as a team, they all understood their roles, how they would dovetail with one uh, one another. 
there weren't too many sort of you know, round like um, shapes and square pegs around holes, whatever. Um, and yeah, it seemed pretty clear what they were attempting to do. Um, with us, I, I felt that we lacked that clarity throughout the game, and even more so once the subs come on, it just, it just becomes even more shapeless, and if you will, or just you know, I mean, players playing in positions where they're not. I mean, I don't know how many games they would, they would have played in in their life in those in the in those positions, or certainly under Klopp, um, and or players who are, you know, as Dave mentioned with Gakpo, not a midfielder, uh, but being played in the in those positions over players that you would think would be the more obvious options if you if you want to control the game a little bit more, maybe build pressure. You know, the likes of Jones. Yes, I know he had a tough game recently, but you know that's what you expect from a player who's not played in uh, about a month. Would have thought that would have been the more sensible option, but you know, given that the fact that Soboslai had been taken off, um, and um, also you'd see McAllister go off as well, it was pretty clear. Okay, we're going to try to turn this into a, you know, accept that it's going to be an open game. We've got better, we've got more quality than you do, and we'll we'll take our chances, and you won't. And I mean, <laughs> it wasn't really the game where uh, our strikers had necessarily suggested that was going to be the kind of game that we'd see they were missing the chances that they they had or putting in pretty tame efforts i felt diaz as well you want to give him allowances given what he's what he's been through but we are going to start to need to see more decisive um action from diaz when it comes to shots in the box i think and um yeah just his involvement in and around the box i'd like to see a bit more decisiveness from him just as we'd like to see it from darwin those two chances you miss uh, you mentioned um will, will will naturally be highlighted you know if he scores both of those it becomes a much more sensible um or more comfortable game for us in that patch i thought we, yeah we lost control a little bit it wasn't clear how we were trying to build up an attack um, you know, with Matip going off, you lose that marauding ability and some of the ways in which he's able to, you know, thread passes through for us. Kanate can do some, some of that, but not to the same level. So I just felt that we were sleepwalking a little bit in this, in this phase of the game. And, you know, that's always dangerous, um, especially when an opposition's already scored two goals against you and, you know, gets the sense they can, they can lay a glove on you. So when they did score, wasn't altogether surprised um, by it. Um, the, the concession to goal, I mean, again, didn't seem like it was actually very well defended. I mean, Simakas is always at a disadvantage once that cross does come in. Um, Kelleher you know, be difficult to necessarily criticise him for for that one. I think um, on my, my memory anyway. But yeah, same same to you, same as you, Trevor. At that point, you're looking at the game, you're looking at the the pattern of it, and thinking, can we really pull out? You know, more individual in moments of individual brilliance to get us back into this game because that's what we were relying on, uh, and it felt like oh maybe we used up our uh, uh, sort of allocation of those um, those moments. But yeah, as you mentioned, with uh, the arrival of Vataro Endo, uh, clearly we uh, we had a few more in the tank. Now I want to split the two goals between <laughs> you and Dave, so I'm going to give you a chance to talk about Endo's goal in a second. But just sure. a word quickly on the Joel Matip injury because yes. it is of significance um, mm. with this uh, congested fixture list that's coming up. It's bad. Um, 
it's it's bad, right? It's not like obviously I know we have Quanta. That don't get me wrong, and and he, the kid has done really well for us, and we have Joe Gomez floating around there as well. There are obviously ways around this, but we could really do without picking up um, injuries to major players um, and then piling up when you've got Allison and now Joel. That's exactly a worry. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's the key thing to me. I mean, I think w- what you saw today was this: you know, we were missing that assurance that Allison gives us, and you know, when, when you're when you're missing that goalkeeper, then you want to protect the one that you have, and you need to you know, a, bit, a bit of consistency, a bit of stability in there. So to lose Matip, who's actually had a great, well, he's, he's had a strong partnership with Van Dijk this season. I think he's been the better. Uh, centre back um, in terms of his comparison with Kanate based on what we've seen also what we have seen is Kanate isn't reliable fitness wise so to expect him to suddenly come in from the cold and play um, in what is a congested part of the season is a bit of a worry as well of course Gomez is there of course Kwanzaa is there but you don't want to be relying on you know multiple changes to that area of the pitch when you're already missing such a pivotal player in Allison. so it, it, it is obviously a concern um, and I think what I would like to see is if we're going to have to make a change there, which we're going to have to, then I'd like to see um, more compromise in midfield, I think, around uh, the likes of Jones coming in, um, Gravenberg sitting out a couple of games, or like, you know, maybe I was rotating with Sobich, like, whatever we can do there. But we can't play this three, I think, again, um, in, in, in games against Premier League opposition. Uh, with the defensive absences we've got as well, that we need to be a bit more sensible there and rely on our attackers to do the job. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Now relying on our attackers to do the job, uh, in the in the form of the incredibly gifted Wataru Endo in terms of his attack, we bought him as a defensive mm. specialist. He comes on, and I could not be happier for this kid because it is a wonderful goal that he scro- scores. It's great work by Mo, good hold up play, and the layoff is perfect. But honestly, yeah. nobody expected this deliberate pinged shot to the top corner. It's outrageously <laughs> executed, and. Uh, I mean, I think moments like that can change an entire career trajectory at a club for somebody that can make uh, that could make that guy feel um, like a million dollars, which could have a massive, massive impact for us. So uh, a wonderful moment on many levels. 
Absolutely, yeah. I think it's really important for players like him who have you know like worked to get the appearances. And he did a good interview. I think it was, I think it was maybe with Jonathan Norcroft uh, this weekend, where he sort of spoke about the fact that he's obviously delighted to be at Liverpool, but he hasn't just lucked out to be here. He's worked very hard to get to the stage where he's considered, uh, you know, an, an eligible option. Naturally, he wasn't sort of what we were expecting in terms of the. The, the the kind of players that we were pursuing or hoping to pursue in that position but he's come in and I think he's um, another one who I think probably adds to the mentality here right amongst the group he's an international captain loads of experience um, clearly a very thoughtful guy as well I mean he's got, got that, that blog and written some books on football so it's you know I'm sure he, in his in his private time he, he thinks a lot about the game uh, and we, we did hear from some people who watched the Bundesliga you know, he's handy. He is handy uh, when it comes to chipping in with goals, which is a bit of a uh, sort of surprise from a um, you know more defensively minded player. So um, just uh, I, mean, I promised I wouldn't mention Avocado, so I won't. So just another reference for the kids. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that Endo would be described. I think that they would describe him as he's got that dog in him, Trev. I think, which is uh, a phrase that has been bandied about on the uh, on the interwebs at the moment. Uh, he might not look like it from looking at him, but I think he's got a bit of it in him. Yeah, well, if he's writing his own blog, he obviously knows ball as well, which is <laughs> tremendous. Uh, Dave, uh, obviously, I want to give you a chance to chat about um, that wonderful goal by Endo. Feel free to do it. But uh, the, the moment that we did not dream of expecting, really, uh, all but the most um, optimistic would have thought, I guess we've done OK to get this point. It's a bit underwhelming and yet the nature of Endo's goal would have maybe given us enough of a, of, a, of, a, of a platform to do a little bit of a smile but when on 87 minutes we go 4-3 ahead like you said earlier on if Endo ripped their soul out well T- Trent Alexander-Arnold does a bit of a dance on it it's absolutely fantastic it's this guy playing in midfield it's a Cody Gakpo shot which is parried Darwin I thought did very well to make sure that he helped the ball across the face of goal there was a touch another touch and the ball breaks to Trent. Now he takes one touch to set it up and then on the half volley very deliberately drives it to the corner low and it is beautifully executed. A proper goal. You look at his celebrations, there's echoes of Gerrard and he looks very, very happy. He's doing his um shushing celebrations and the 70 the, the seven minutes that were added the, the introduction of Vinicius had no impact whatsoever we did at that point actually do what we should have done before and have a little bit of discipline about the way that we approached those last few minutes looking in a very cynical way to close the game out yeah. um it was that was heartening I guess and so the whole thing ends we all have stupid smiles on our face because it is like I think we've both said the one of the daftest games you'll ever see so the Trent goal the endo goal anything else you want to pick out from the second half there before we get wrap up thoughts from Harry and finish with yourself so yeah like like you guys said when when their third goal went in you just thought uh well that's that then because what an absolute mess of a goal to concede multiple opportunities to to get rid of it and we just don't clear our lines we don't we don't do the right things we don't pick up the right runners and obviously Costas who I thought had a had a good game today just gets badly beaten at the back post um but I'm actually just looking at this endo goal now on a little loop and it's a decent ball clipped forward Darwin does really well 
It's it's Ebu's ball, I think. Is it Ebu's ball or is it Trent's ball? It's clip four. Darwin heads it down. It, it comes to Mo, and it comes to him, unfortunately, on his right foot. And Cody makes a brilliant little run. And their entire defense kind of shifts like a half step across because they're expecting Mo to play it to Cody because that's the easy pass. And Mo turns back with his back to goal and he lays it off. And I remember as he laid it off thinking, that's ideal. And then it's Endo who appears and you just think, oh no, that's not ideal. And that, <laughs> but it's, a, it's an unbelievable hit. Like he has passed that ball into the back of the net from 19 yards out. And it's like, it's arrowed into the top corner. You really do just have to take a moment and feel sorry for Burnt Leno because at that point he has had three goal of the season contenders beat him at that point in the game. Like nothing simple has gone in. He's done everything he could have done. He saved the ones he could have saved and he's been beaten by three absolute worldies. But then the Trent goal, Cody does brilliantly. Cody hadn't had a great impact on the game, bar that run which he didn't touch the ball on. But he picks the ball up and he makes a really purposeful drive. And there's players moving and the defense is shifting in front of him. And he just decides to take take a crack at it. And it's a really well-struck shot. And Leno makes a decent save and he gets strong fist to it and he puts it into an area where his defense should be able to cope with it. But Darwin just doesn't give it up. And he hooks it across really well. Now, it would have been a fairly simple defensive header at the back post, if not for the fact that Costas comes herring in and challenges for it. He's never going to get to it, but the fact that he makes the challenge for it panics the defender into a fairly stupid defensive, defensive header. Whereas if Costas doesn't come across, the defender probably has time to bring that ball down, turn and get rid of it. But he has to make a bit of a panic tether. It drops the trend. It's a really good touch because it gives him space. And the commentator on on the Australian coverage said, oh, it's almost a, too much of like a heavy touch. But it wasn't. It was a touch to give himself space to take a stride into the ball. And I think Leno expects him to go to the opposite corner. Because he goes near corner, the keeper's not expecting it. The ball just arrows in it's a it's a brilliant strike like it's the fourth brilliant goal that we scored in that game and the celebration is pure gerard but there's a brilliant video going around that someone took from the cop of all of the players coming across and sliding behind sliding yeah and it's great it's very very cool like it it's it and it's such a huge moment and could could prove to be a very pivotal moment in this season now, as things stand, um, City are beating Spurs 2-1. So they will go back ahead of us. But Arsenal won yesterday. That put the pressure on us and, uh, us and City. Villa have dropped points today. So they're now two points behind us. Newcastle won last night. So obviously they're in the mix. And Spurs, despite their current poor run, they are also in this mix. We need to continue to pick up points and games like Fulham at home are games where we have to get a result. But we've gotten the result today. We've gotten a really, a really good result today. It doesn't really matter how we got there because 
you know and, and Harry knows, at this point of the year, the games come so thick and fast that all you're looking for is to get points on the board. Because you don't win a title in December. You don't you don't clinch top four in December, but you can lose it in December. And when you've got a bunch of teams in the mix, as there is right now, you can't really afford any slip-ups because these are all good teams. Villa are a good team. Tune are a good team. Spurs are a good team. Arsenal are a good team. And we know what City are capable of. So you've got six teams there competing for four positions. We've got an upper hand right now. So we need to, to keep that. And we need to keep banging home the advantage that we currently have on those three teams below us. And this was the start of a, of a little favourable run of three games where we can get nine points on the board going into a home game against United, who are awful, and that should be another three. And then it's Arsenal. And if we can roll into that game having ripped off what would then be five straight wins, four straight wins, four straight wins, that would be really positive and would put us in good stead for them to come into Anfield. And if we were to beat them... Even if they've matched our results beforehand, if we beat them at Anfield, we'll go above them. And the, the psychological boost that going top can give you this far into the season. And remember, at that point, that's game 19. So you're, you're halfway through the season to go top halfway through the season. Or, you know, if City are above us, so be it. But they'll have gone off to play in the World Club Cup. So they'll be missing that game week. So we beat Arsenal. We can go top of the league if everybody matches results and we win our next three. And that could just be a huge thing for us to to go get to the halfway point and go, we've breezed through Europe. Hopefully we'll still be in the League Cup. We're top of the league. We play Arsenal again in the FA Cup. We've just proven we can beat them. And that could be a great springboard for us. Really, really could be a great springboard for us. So, yeah, there's a lot of things about today that we'd probably like to change, but the benefits that we can get from today, Alexis getting a great goal, Endo getting a goal, Trent getting two goals. Like that's, let's give him credit. He, he scored twice today, whether one's been taken off him or not. Like those type of things are positives to work from. And then the negative stuff, a lot of that can be changed in January. Go out in January, get yourself the holding midfield you need. Maybe add one more in defense. We might be forced now into buying someone in, in January in defense because I don't like that sound, that, that, that quote at all from Jürgen. No, no, it's not. Be, like that's a non-contact injury. Yeah. Where he's landed on the, the, the 3G surface next to the grass and you'd wonder has something in his knee just popped. Like, that could, that could be season ending for, with, with the way Joel tends to take a long time to come back, even if it's not an ACL, it could be something that keeps him out for four or five months. Yeah, well, as someone who did their Achilles and just such a surface wearing studs like an idiot, I can only heartily uh, relate. Um, we'll be back to you, Dave, just for your last few thoughts in a minute. And Harry, let's get yours now, because as Dave says, at least if nothing else, that mental game keeps us on track with the outside possibility of the mythical top of Christmas situation. Yes, it will require a lot. There are some very difficult games between now and achieving that should it be a possibility. But at least we we are still on track to do it and maybe what Dave was referring to is favourable games like the next two against Sheffield United where we go to them and then we uh, go to Crystal Palace not 
easy by any means, but they are games that we would expect to win. Maybe um, one of those will be a game that we'll actually win in the correct fashion by <laughs> scoring and uh, then scoring again and then scoring again and not doing any of the concession crack at all. But who knows? So I want to get your wrap up thoughts now um, and anything you want to plug at the end, please. Yeah, no, I think it's, you mentioned those two games coming up against Sheffield United and Crystal Palace. Um, yeah, there'll, there'll be, there'll be rivalry cons ahead of both of those. Um, obviously the Sheffield United game coming on, on Wednesday. Uh, I think, but those are both examples of games which, where we need to win them in a different way. Hopefully, of course, the results are all that matters at this time of year, as, as, we, as we've all sort of relentlessly said uh but i'd quite like you know just oh a chance has been created for darwin oh darwin has scored the goal yeah. <laughs> oh it's two nil oh fantastic three nil great salah's got 200th goal great we can move on we need we need games uh which aren't great games i don't i don't care about the great games i'd quite like just to get sort of uh these these games out of the way uh with as less narrative as as as, as possible really uh, across the next two we need to be a bit more sensible in terms of team selection i think and uh, realize that we are not um, we don't have allison behind us uh, and we we need to be perhaps a little bit more uh, protective of of kelleher given you know again the fact he's coming in cold here really after not playing a lot of football and he's trying to fill the boots of one of the very best so I think there needs to be a bit more, um, a bit more sensible selection, like uh, process making from uh, from Klopp, from the coaches, uh, less galaxy brain selections. Um, I, I think, and it's it is weird because of, of course we, we we have this unbalanced squad, so I think it's, it's likely that we're going to see um, probably a few more confusing lineups, some more confusing substitutions between now and then. But um, yeah, it, it, end of the day, when, when you look at this game, I mean, all of those goals feel fantastic, um, both for the players who score them the moments um, in which we scored them the late win will do wonders for this team's mentality that even though they know they've got probably holes in this squad um, that, that, that they are able to uh, pull out the win from, from from somewhere even when their backs are, are up against the wall so hopefully that mentality does them well um, across this sort of congested period because we know it's I'm saying this that I'd like it to be a, you know, a calm two-nil win in the next in the next two games. It rarely is the case this month. It's usually quite ugly, and you just got to get through it really. So, um, my 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 biggest hope is that the the attack, which I think had an off day today, uh, returns to, to full force. Mo Salah um, rem- remembers that there is a record for him to get. Uh, the other players remember that they don't have to try and give most out of the record every single time they get into a goal scoring position. They can take a shot on themselves and um, you know, be a bit more meaningful with it. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be a, a tough period. Um, I, I imagine there'll be a few more ugly performances in this. But uh, as Dave mentioned there, the opportunity it is presenting itself to us yeah, that if if we could put a few of these results together again, um, maintain this form up until Christmas, um, keep ourselves there or thereabouts. I think that's, that's going to be the most important thing uh, coming into January where, where we can, we do have the opportunity to strengthen. So a game in the end that was largely chaotic, plenty of goal of the season contenders that I'm, I'm going to look forward to rewatching with, I'm sure, commentary from all around the world. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a great South American version of it. Each of those goals, for example, but 
yeah, a little bit more composure and a bit more sense, I think, Trev, in, in the rest of these games would be uh, would be very welcome. And at least we get a chance to rest folks against Union, um, Sangelais, um, in the return fixture there. So, yeah, rival recon for both of those games that are coming um, thick and fast for Sheffield United and, and Palace. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for those. We certainly will. And it's, I think, a couple of uh, raws now before we get you back on to keep us in touch with the younger demographic, Harry. So uh, we're, I'm going to I'm gonna go and try and uh, bone up on some young people references <laughs> between now. Jack Paul Seasons for Danny and the club. <laughs> You've created a monster, Harry. Uh, but we will obviously be listening to you on Rival Recon on a regular basis and look forward to getting you back into the loop for Raw again um, around the Christmas time period. Uh, Dave, your final thoughts as well. I Just before you do, I don't know if you've seen it, but after a quite what was quite a lackluster uh, three or four fist bumps to the uh, to the crowd uh, in Jurgen's traditional style, there was a little bit of extra sauce on the final celebration. Mm seems to have had like you know we it's a fucking big moment and uh, the manager is painfully aware of that yeah yeah and he should be i mean look he he's been here for a long time now and he's been through these games he's been through these kind of you know the slog of december and january and, and how tough it can be and he he understands that a game like that to win it the way we did can can really get momentum going and he knows that the crowd played a huge part in that game today. Like there was after we scored the, what turned out to be the winner, every tackle was cheered. Every closing down was cheered as if it was a goal. Like Darwin made one brilliant sprint across and challenge over on the left touchline. There was a fantastic challenge from Endo in the middle of the park as Paulinho started to open up his stride and looked like he was going to charge into our half. Endo just cut him off and left him lying on the ground in a heap. Ibu made a couple of big tackles and the crowd really got into those things. And that's the type of thing Jürgen wants. Jürgen wants the, the crowd cheering on those type of actions because it inspires players to do them. And as we've said, like the win is the win. That's the only thing that matters. And like Harry nailed it, our attack won't be that bad again. We're not going to allow that to happen against other teams where we spurn chances where Mo, Darwin and Diaz all collectively just don't perform. Even though, you know, Mo ends up with an assist today and he does impact the game in a positive way. Darwin has the positive impact on the, the winning goal. Diaz had a bit of a quieter game, but again, there, he's capable of having a significant impact on games. And all we need is one or two of them to start clicking uh, and you know we know the goals will come again from them but it's a great sign for us that we've gotten four goals from midfield today because we used to sit here and lament that we'd only get four goals from midfield in a season when it was Henderson Fabinho and Ginny you know so that's a that's a real positive to take you reference the games we've got coming up we should we should go to Sheffield and win we should beat Palace and do that. And that's all we can do. Just go and beat who you've got to beat and let the chips fall where they do at the end of the season. Just do what you can do and don't worry about the rest of the teams because, you know, leave it to them to fall over their own feet. My, my favorite part of today is just the sheer rage of Arsenal fans and United fans who were absolutely delighted that we were losing 3-2 at home to Fulham. 
and then absolutely devastated that all of a sudden we were winning 4-3 at home to Fulham. And like those type of wins, that's great as well because that's a lovely bit of needle that you can start to throw around when pe- people have come out with some <laughs> very arrogant statements like, you know, when we're losing a game and they want to start to disparage Virgil, who frankly, for a team that didn't, that, that conceded three goals, Virgil had a really good game. Costas had a really good game. The issue was the other side of the defence, not their side. Uh, Costas, like I said, should have done better on their third goal, but you know, they have a pop at him, they have a pop at Sabozlai, they have a pop at Salah, Liverpool are losing, and it's all Darwin Nunez's fault, or it's this fault, it's that. and all of a sudden, we end up winning the game. And you do get to turn around and remind Arsenal fans that, well, you guys drew 2-2 at home with Fulham. So, you know, you might want to get back in your little boxes there. Um So, yeah, look, we have to be happy with the result, and Many more of them to come, hopefully. Not not necessarily as as heart attack inducing as that game was itself, but many more wins to come. This team are only getting started, as I said earlier. It's year one. This is year one of the rebuild. This is twenty sixteen seventeen again. Forget nineteen twenty. Forget eighteen nineteen. Forget twenty one twenty two. This is seven sixteen seventeen again, and we all really enjoyed that season. And maybe that's what we just all need to do this season: is just fucking just fucking enjoy it, lads. Because it, this is the because this is the start of something. This is not the apex of something. The reason we were all so fucking annoyed last year was because that was the tail end of that that team. They didn't have another level to go or multiple levels as this team does. That team had seen their best days, had been allowed to age and decline. But this team is just getting started, and I, I think it's. It's a very, very bright future for us as we, as we look at things. One last thing, just on the, that game of gateway to Union in the Europa League, I, I'd be inclined to send Pitaluga as starting goalkeeper in that one and just see just see where he is in his development, just see how how he looks. Not not yeah. to say that Quivin should be dropped or anything like that, but just to see how that kid looks and start getting him some games because. I do feel like this has to be the last season that Queeving Keller is at Liverpool. Even if it means he's just out on loan next season and then we sell him the year after, I just, I, I don't think he can continue to be the backup keeper because it really is harming his career. And from a greedy Irish point of view, I want to see that kid have a good career because it's important to our national team that we've got good competition in as many places as we have decent players, which isn't many, but goalkeeper is one of them. Or should be one of them. And for that, he needs to be playing. Um, as for me, uh, two-footed every day. Daily Red, probably no Daily Red Friday. Um, I- I'm venturing into enemy territory on, fr- on Friday, Trev. Oh? Yeah, but I'm bringing a picture of... Um, I'm bringing a picture of Joe Sheridan with me just to scare off any of the locals in case they get a bit rambunctious with themselves. Oh, tremendous. So, 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 so you're going to be, I'll be down that neck of the woods as well. If you do need backup, just send out the bat signal. I will. I will. I'll just, I'll just start shouting Joe Sheridan's name and, and you'll hear it. <laughs> um, just, <laughs> uh, might just, I might, might just wear a me jersey over and just <laughs> do it and gallivant, you know, but it might be a bit cold for that type of behavior. But, uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll have two footed done for that day anyway. And I might, I might do a day read that's just not kind of day specific but um yeah we all, all good loads to do plenty of scouts to come and obviously there'll be raw during the week for the uh the sheffield united win and i say sheffield united win because we're going there and we're winning we're not losing to them because they're fucking useless <laughs> they're useless 
I hope you're right. I hope you're right. As Dave says, we will be with you on Raw for all the games as ever. Uh, there'll be plenty of stuff from uh, himself and from Harry um, as well. And all the content generators uh, that we have working for this channel. Some great stuff being made by people. Some new uh, innovations constantly changing the standards for the better on this channel of ours and it's nice to be involved but i have to I have to be honest so that was dave hendrick you heard harry sethi guy drinkle's been producing in the background for us as ever i'm trev downey we'll be back with you very very soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.